0: everybody. Welcome back to Holistic Finance. I am Ryan Burklow, And I'm Alex Collins. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about the first five steps you should take, financially speaking, when building your practice.
1: Yeah, it's good to get back to just some of the basics and talk about uh, how, how to start building.
0: Yeah, I mean, as an naturopathic doctor building your practice, you're everything from the janitor to the CEO. Right. Right. So (laughs) how many hats are you wearing right now?
1: Absolutely. And and how much, you know, blood, sweat, tears and money have gone into building your practice already.
0: And so these five steps that we're going to talk about, the, the reason they are the first five steps is, to Alex's point, with that blood, sweat and tears that you're putting into your practice, the last thing you want to see is for it to go away. Or oh, to not thrive,
1: absolutely. And, and you know, depending upon how long you've been in practice, you, you may have two or three or four of these things already tackled.
0: And you might need to go back to a couple of these things. So sometimes we tackle them, and life then they happens, change. Right, <laughs> things change, yeah. both positive and good. And you have to go back. So let, let's dive right in here, Alex. So the first thing that. We always say, and we definitely want naturopaths to, to understand, because we understand that money isn't, for the most part, the reason you got into naturopathic medicine. You, you got into it to help your patients from a holistic health mindset. Part of that mindset and health is being able to live a life, right? And so step one is make sure you're, you're paying yourself. Yeah. you know,
1: to a certain extent, it's treat yourself as your own patient. If, uh, if you don't compensate yourself and we're not talking about just money, but we're also talking about some of the other benefits like protecting your income, uh, having health insurance, some of those basic things, then you're not taking care of yourself. And if you're not taking care of yourself, you're not going to be able to take care of your, your patients
0: it's it's vital to have this piece handled because because of what life is, right? Life doesn't happen in a linear fashion even though like the rocky montage makes it feel like it does. <laughs> <laughs> I love me some rocky montages by the way. <laughs> yeah, I was I was impressed
1: that you managed to fit that one in here.
0: You so Grasping this, right, and understanding that you, you got it, you got to take care of yourself, right, and that, and that start with actually paying yourself and taking care of that pay.
1: But and there might be different levels to this, right? Like, hey, let's make sure that we're getting to a basic level of subsistence income where you know what comes in is you know going out and meets your bills, and then you know we go on to some of the other steps, and then we come back to this step and say, okay, well. Yeah now that we're we have a thriving practice we need to pay ourselves more we need to increase that we need to provide some other benefits
0: yeah and, but oftentimes before you start paying yourself more right you have to take care of step number 2
1: yeah which is building up cash
0: reserves this is vital right how many of you well, all of you did just w- went through a pandemic and are still going through right? Having cash reserves is vital to success in terms of when bad stuff happens, also when good stuff happens.
1: Yeah. Having the ability to go buy the building that you're in, having the, the cash to be able to expand and hire uh, an extra dock or buy a piece of equipment, uh, expand into a new market, having working capital and having cash reserves is critical to the ability for a business to function, and there there's a couple different ways that you can accomplish this. You can you can accomplish it to a certain extent with debt. And what Ryan and I are are suggesting here is, you know, we actually need to build up some amount of cash in the bank that we don't have to worry about what's going on with, uh, you know, loans, the banking industry, etc., to be able to have access to capital.
0: Now I know. Many of them are probably listening right now, Alex, and they're wondering, okay, I hear cash reserves. It's not, this isn't the first time they probably heard that. Their question is going to be, how much should they have?
1: Yeah. And so the easy solution would be, uh, start with building up to having three months worth of your expenses as a business, not as an individual, but as a business.
0: Yeah. So what's your I- monthly overhead, right? Yeah. Whatever that monthly overhead is, have three months of that.
1: Cost of the clinic, staff, if you have any employee benefits, any loans that you've got, like what what do you need coming in the door to be able to get by, and have three times that number. That'll give you a three month runway if your income goes away
0: be a pandemic or whatever else. So we're paying ourselves, right? We've got that cash reserve, step number two. Now, okay, many of you have started where it's just you, yourself, and I, meaning you, right? To grow your practice, you got to hire your first employee. And that's a big, big step for many of you because I've heard it come out of your mouths, right? It's, now it's not just... Your practice, you have to rely upon it. Now it's two people relying upon it, and this other person may or may not be a family member. So, right, you got to take care of this employee. But what does that employee allow you to do? Right. Like, what work are you doing in the business that you know you probably shouldn't be in terms of cost evaluation versus what you could, what revenue you could be bringing in the door if you weren't doing that activity?
1: Right. Like, what is it that you're, good at? What is it that you're not good at? You know, let's delegate or, or, you know, figure out a way to take the stuff that you don't want to do and, or aren't good at off your plate so that you can see more patients and do more good in the world.
0: So hiring that first employee is key, right? And making sure, you know, it, that oftentimes is going to be a leap of faith initially, right? Like when Alex and I you know, Alex did it first, and and uh, in terms of hiring his first employee before we partnered. And I know when I partnered with him and we hired our first employee, it was a big leap of faith, right? That confidence has got to be there. Man, that's huge, right? I, I can't imagine doing that without the confidence. I'm a confident guy, and I still had this like, oh crap, I got to make this work.
1: <laughs> For sure. It's the, the butterflies in your stomach of like, okay, cool, I've hired somebody. Oh crap. Now what? Yep. <laughs> um, well, I'm finding that
0: person, right? That's a whole different that's for a whole nother episode. <laughs> but we get the struggles that are there and you have to take that leap of faith to help you build the practice so you can help as the patients that you want. Yeah, absolutely. Which takes us to number 4, right? And this is Something that is not, we're not seeing a ton of it out there, right? Even with established practices, uh, we're not seeing a lot of it out there and it's starting to come more and more uh, used. And we're talking about employee benefits here.
1: And we're not talking about, you know, doing massive amounts of stuff, but this could be as simple as like basic medical group life, group disability, dental vision, that type of stuff where where it, you're competing with the, the rest of the job market that's out there. Um, and as the, the economy comes back, you know, having some of these benefits are going to be something that that is required to be able to compete for, for talent.
0: Yeah, because it's not used a lot right now, and we get it from a cash flow perspective, it's difficult. But if you can get the employee benefits in, what doctor could you bring on that maybe you couldn't have gotten prior because you have the employee benefit aspect of it?
1: Yeah. And this this could be anywhere from simply having a benefits broker that comes in and talks to your people so there's no cost to you. You're Mm -hmm. just simply providing an option for, for folks to get this taken care of on up to having it be 100% employer paid. Um, there's steps in between. So much of it depends on what you're trying to accomplish and you know, working with benefits brokers to be able to tailor it to what you're trying to accomplish in terms of uh, attracting, retaining, and rewarding your employees, including yourself.
0: 100%. All right, so we've got pay yourself, right? And, and think about this you know, in the real world, right, you first start paying yourself, you get that, first, you start actually living, you know, collecting a paycheck, and that's got to feel good, right? And then you get the cash reserves, right? And that's got to feel good. You have your first employee, that's good. Now your practice is thriving, right? Now you're, you're, you're maybe questioning, okay, should I pay myself more? Should I do this employee benefits? right? How does that come into play? Obviously, Allison, I can't answer that directly. We don't know what we we can't decide. We, we don't know what you're paying yourself to begin with. But sometimes it does make sense to do the employee benefits first for a growth perspective, right? Maybe you deal with it for one more year, and then the next year you get to take a pay raise because now you've got extra talent that has your revenue go higher.
1: And it's also possible that the employee benefits allow you to attract the person who it uh, takes your practice to the next level so that you can then, you know, have more dollars to be able to put back into hiring more staff, paying yourself, building up, re- you know, additional reserves. Uh, in an ideal world, we get to the point where the cash reserves, I, I mentioned it, the three months is a first step. Yeah, ideally we have one year and, and just the more, the more access that we have to, to capital the better position that we're in to be able to take advantage of changes in the marketplace, whether those changes are positive or negative.
0: Yeah. Uh, You know, having access to this capital allows you to, to grow the practice. Maybe it's purchasing someone else's practice, right? That, that's what we're talking about and utilizing that. And step number five is protecting your practice's value.
1: Again, we go, we're going to go back to where we started with, you know, you've put blood, sweat, tears, and money into your practice. Let's make sure that we're protecting the value that you're creating.
0: It's an important piece. Yeah. I, I like having steps to look at from a, from a guide perspective, but I also hate them at the same time because life doesn't work in a step one, step two, step three type of process.
1: Life isn't linear, Ryan.
0: Yeah. But if if these are guidelines for you to have these five steps accomplished, right, maybe you go out of order, but these are the top five pieces, right? Protecting your practice value is definitely high up in that because imagine something stupid happening, something out of your control and losing your practice. Right. There's a story that we actually just heard where essentially this doc, this practice had three other doctors and those three other doctors ended up leaving and starting their own practice. And now that one doctor who owned it is stuck. It's not a pretty picture. And now that doctors had to sell the practice. It's, it's, it's ugly. It's, it's gotta be crushing. And this is exactly why you protect your practice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So that brings us to the question of the day
1: here, Ryan, which uh, our question of the day today is, are you simply working in your practice or have you been able to
0: find time to work on your practice? So head over to holistic-finance.com and at the bottom of that page, there's a spot for you to either give us, send us a note answering that question. Uh, Or if you have any ideas for the podcast, feel free to reach out to us that way. If any of this stuff has you questioning different things and you want some extra help and a second pair of eyes on stuff, feel free to reach out to Alex or myself. We hope this episode was valuable. And as always, Mr. Collins,
1: make it a great day.
2: This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Quantified Financial Partners, and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. Brian and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ 333 North Indian Hill Boulevard, Claremont, California 91711. Telephone 909-399-1100. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Ryan Burklow AR Insurance License, number 15319412. CA Insurance License, number 0k24924. Alexander Collins, AR Insurance License, number 7264699. CA Insurance License, number 0H24806. Pinpoint number 2021123971. Expiration 07.